0: Go to Bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's Bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST.
4: I've been on to chat, GP, and I've asked it. And I've bought a Skoda Octavia (laughs) Escape and and an MX-5.
2: (laughs) Hello and welcome to episode 12 of the Collecting Addicts podcast. Amazing, we're still here and we're still using that name, although we will consider other names in the future. I've been saying that for about two months. Straight off this week, Formula One. Now, there is a small story lurking but blossoming under, this, under the covers that we think is very interesting. We're going to go on to Manish now and ask him about it. But apparently, Felipe Massa is having second thoughts.
1: So the closest finish i think uh, i guess since before 2021 was the 2008 brazilian grand prix unbelievably close ending but it looks like lewis hamilton has just missed out on the world championship and then i think with literally a corner to go in the rain lewis hamilton goes from sixth place to fifth place which is exactly where he needs to get to and he beats felipe massa by one point there is drama in the garage at the Massa family and the Ferrari mechanics are celebrating his world championship only for them to go, no, 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 and watch Lewis win. And it's pouring with rain. And in fact, um, one of my favorite bits in Lucky is we used the on-car from Lewis, showing Mm. him doing all of this, stopping, and just getting out of the car. Lewis Hamilton, world champion for the first time by one point. But cast your mind back to the Singapore Grand Prix just a few races earlier. And something sort of strange happened very, very early on in the race. Fernando Alonso came in for um, a fuel stop. I think, it was, was it lap 17 or something, Chris, out of, sort of, 70 that. Something of that race? It didn't make any sense. Why would you lose track position at a street circuit on which you can't overtake? You'd, you'd have thought, let's go the other way. By some total chance, his teammate smashes his Renault into the wall. Bits of debris absolutely everywhere. And it means everyone's diving in because of the full safety car. And um, Fernando, when it all shakes out, finds himself in the lead. He holds on to the lead. He wins the Grand Prix. Lewis Hamilton's on the podium. Felipe Massa, who was leading the Grand Prix for a while, actually came in for fuel at that same Grand Prix. The Ferrari mechanics put the hose on the car. The red light went to green because they had an automated sort of gantry at the time and Filippo Massa took the fuel hose with him. By the time Ferrari sorted this mess out, he ended up at the back, finished 12th, got no points. Why is this relevant? Because it turns out that Nelson Piquet Jr. put his car into the wall on purpose. And by causing that full yellow and safety car, he basically um gifted the race to alonso and the championship to lewis now
4: hamilton uncle for bernie,
1: <laughs> so uncle bernie has come out and said look we looked at this and obviously it wouldn't have been that good for formula 1 and um, has left just enough ambiguity in the air for people to think should we be cancelling that race should it have been cancelled at the time and um felipe has come out and said, Well, I think we need to look at a bit of uh, I think we need to look at a bit of legal act, we need an opinion. We need an opinion. I guess there'll be enough KCs falling over themselves to review this. But the upshot is this if by any chance the race got reviewed, if by any chance applying retrospective laws to this, you could get that race cancelled, Lewis would drop from seven to six and Neil would be the unhappiest man on this podcast. Could we be two seasons away from Lewis's eighth. Is this
2: is. Can I say one thing before you finish that, management. Surely, I'm, th- I'm sure my other Melbourne colleagues are going to say this as well. If 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 that if world championships were open to legal argument, then Lewis would probably go to court about 2021, wouldn't he? And say, well, I'll have that one in my seventh. Yeah. Or as
1: someone rather brilliantly tweeted today, if you decided championships <laughs> on the basis of who was cheating and who wasn't.
2: <laughs> yeah,
1: quite possibly. Well, Doesn't I
3: right? mean be, be careful what you wish for? And I, you know, yeah. we we're going to talk about that. We may come back to it later if we have time. But this story, which emerged yesterday, kind of took it. The question in my mind is why now? What, Manish? Why has Bernie? I, I mean, I kind of, I was sad for I, I always felt sad for Felipe. Um, I kind of almost think if the Bernie button or Bernie lever hadn't been pulled in that race in '07, Lewis would have won in '07. And I still think he should have won that championship if Ron hadn't done whatever they had done in, in China and keep him out in at all times. But mm. Felipe made slightly fewer mistakes than Lewis did that year. And I've always felt slightly sorry for him because he dealt with it with great dignity and he's behaved with great dignity since then. And I was ever so slightly disappointed yesterday to see, because he could have said, it's history. It's Lewis's championship. I had my chance. Life is like that. So I felt sorry for Felipe that he'd almost been put in a position where he you felt, could I? Is it a possibility? Why has Bernie done it now?
1: So what happened what on think? Sunday? I mean, we had a Grand Prix which had a very contentious end. And I think that, you know, when these things happen, it's a lovely time just to resonate some of these thoughts. And I think that a lot of people, I again, I do find Twitter a bit of a piranha fest, to be honest. I mean, you know, 2% of it is enjoyable, 98% of it, quite frankly, I can avoid. And um, Twitter was just absolutely full of formula one is rigged they're doing this for entertainment this is designed for yeah. netflix not for fans yeah. and i think um you know if you're gonna toss a little not quite a grenade but a good good size firecracker in, it's a good good moment to do it and i think that's yeah. i think it's as simple as that actually. i think
3: it's like He couldn't help himself
1: well you know someone went for a quote and uh, <laughs> yeah.
2: yeah i think um i i, I Really worry for Massa though, and I totally agree with with Chris Cooper. There was something, I think he built an awful lot of respect from people because of the dignity with which he dealt with that situation. Yeah, in saying that now, or having his name attributed to those quotes, for me undoes a whole load of that. I just, you know, can you imagine Mika Hakkinen doing that? He would just go, "Wow, I didn't win it." You know, at the end of the day, he walked away with the pot. That's that. And I think there's something old school racerish and and full of respect about that. The idea of going back. 15 years later and saying, my lawyer says, which is just like,
4: yeah. When, no, when, a, when did oh.
2: Piquet uh, admit
4: to throwing it in the wall?
2: Yes.
1: No, I mean, it was, it was shortly after he got, it was shortly after he got fired. So oh. it was actually, um, the following year.
4: Okay.
3: Yeah. So I've so always thought I was going to get, I was going to get a call from Nelson PK Jr. Because in the 2004 Super Cup race at the Silverstone Grand Prix, I put Felice, Felipe, Ma, sorry, Nelson Piquet Jr. in the gravel at the old Abbey corner. It's my, my one encounter. With the I'm just waiting for his lawyers to say, "I think we should have that race now."
2: <laughs> so on to on to this week's race. Then um, uh, I, I said I'd let someone else start, but I'm going to share a few pills because I've been sitting here on my own for a while. Um, I thought um, I didn't didn't get up and watch it, so I, I did that thing where I I knew the result, but then I went back and watched some of the highlights. It shows you that. I'm slightly falling out of F1 love with F1, but I'm happy to watch it that way. It used to be that if I if I had the results spoiled, I was livid. But I'm not anymore because no. I, I, I know I know who's going to have won the race unless he's had a massive shunt. I know who's won the race, um, and I have to say I thought the first lap was just sensational. It was worth it for that alone. It was yes. full of it was full of daring. It was full of skill. It was full of uh, awareness. I just I, I know that um, some people. No. Don't think these drivers are great but they're they're the best ever these cars are not easy to drive and they're vast they're huge great big sleds and they sit too low so can we just have a general harum for how great these drivers are because they put on a great yeah. display but it seems yeah. to me that the system under which they race the people that make the rules and the people that um, administer those rules trackside seem to do their very best to make these drivers have a hard time entertaining us. That's the way I view it at the moment. I just think they're they're not helped by by anything around them. But if you yeah. let if they could just have a slightly simpler format, then so then they'd be amazing. Therein
3: lies the, the core of it. And, I, and I've thought about this quite a bit since the weekend. There's a there's a tension that has to be resolved between is it a, is it a sport and how do you want the sport to work? And is it understandable and the show? And I've given this a bit of thought, and and it's not simple, because under the heading of be careful what you wish for, lots of sports now have a VAR equivalent, and F1's got one, this sort of operation centre in Geneva. The obvious difference between all those other sports and F1 is there's only one ball or thing in those other sports, and F1 is wherever the cars are. So in this race, I think uh, Logan Sargent still hasn't had a penalty for cannoning into Nick DeVries at the last restart, third or fourth or fifth, I've re- lost track of the red flags. And poor old Carlos Sainz, who I thought was very harsh that he got a five-second penalty on that restart when he just, and they've all said now the tyres are rubbish, and he got a five-second penalty. But the five-second penalty was then applied for a lap behind the safety car. So rather than just pushing him back maybe a place or not, went back nine places. Went to 12, yes. To twelfth from third, and you, some of you may have heard. There's a bit of thing going on TikTok of, of Carlos. I thought at first it was a, it was a sort of a, it was a piss take, but no, it really was Carlos sounding utterly
2: broken. To say, it's not fair. It's not fair. It's not right. Yeah, but you I, know I, he's I, been given two points on his license as well oh, since. Jesus, I mean, he's, he's had his license endorsed. It's unbelievable. And I think that the, the
3: fuss started with well, was the Albon incident a red flag or not? And I think. Again, I talked to my boys about this and they were a fountain of common sense about it. He said, Look, it's too complicated. I said last week, one of my chums who retired from 20 years actually at Jaguar, then Red Bull, that's the 20 year bit. And he said, It's just too complicated. It's not easy to do this. It will take a time. You know, most Sport UK, I sit on the board of Most Sport UK, we're trying to digitize the blue book, which includes simplifying it. It's turned into a mammoth. It's a very, very big task. It's important, but it's math. F1 will be very similar. But unless you start, you never finish it. So it's got to be simplified. So it includes what's a red flag instance. We sort of know what a red flag instance is not. There's no room for manoeuvre to say, hang on a minute. We all agreed red flag will be these simple things. Um, anything else is going to run the risk of it's done for the show. And I think in the long run, that will erode the credibility and trust in the sport. This is the pinnacle of our sport. It is the most expert of the experts. And we trade that off for The short term
2: at our current. So, can I, yeah. I? I agree with all of that, but can I um, add one thing? We talk about simplifying the blue book, digitizing it, applying rules, making sure I you know what they are. But the reality is that, that the sport is too complicated, probably to have everything applied to a book and it's too fast moving. Yeah. The sport worked when there was one individual, when there was one headmaster, and that bloke who, who used to start the races and was at race control, yeah. you know, it worked, didn't it? It just shows you you need that human element Relugably, to make it exactly. on the fly. But I mean, so.
1: we've had two such humans, so humans, right? So we had Massey after Whiting, now we've got Vitic. And um, the, the, I I actually think it's a a bit more fundamental than that. I think if you look at what happened in 2021 and you have a look at what happened in Australia, I think the absolute pressure on um, whoever is running the race is to make yeah. sure that it's a race. I mean, I'll go to my grave believing that Massey felt he had to end that race somehow such that it was a race and not behind a safety car. Because if they had followed the rules and those five cars had gone all the way around, that, that race would have ended under no. the safety car. And actually, it would have been the correct result. I know that Max will never speak to me again, but but that's the end of that. And just as, just as this race, I think they saw the semi-carnage. At the end of Magnuson's car. Yes, there was a tire and a wheel. They made a decision to go with a red flag. But part of that was right, we'll have a two-lap sprint. And what you have is a bunch of guys all clumped together, <laughs> they're very light on fuel, they've all got new tires, and they've all got two laps to go and make up a bunch yeah. of points. And guess what they're that gonna do? Go wrong. But, but then but that that
2: that refers back to American racing, which which you know, I've done a few races in America and, and the idea of Of having regular flags and quite being totally comfortable with a two-hour race being being settled by a two-minute sprint race or two-lap sprint race, I'm fine with that. But those vehicles are technically set up to deal with that. They can deal with lower tire pressures. They're not the cars; those aren't out of balance. A Formula One car that's cooled down like that, and then you're expected to go ahead and drive. No one on television realizes that they're dealing with a vehicle that's totally different. They could use 60% of the brake pressure into that first corner, and it's going to lock up. And and how they're supposed to judge that? I mean, it, for yeah, me, it's remarkable probably. that the whole lot didn't just fall off. Well, that's yes, what Lando Norris.
1: Do. That's what Lando Norris said. He put it on yeah, the tyres, but at the end of the day, you've got to lean back and say, "Let's look at the package." You've got effectively one tons, a one ton machine. It's cold. It's got tyres at sixty five degrees. These are brand new wheels as well, and they've got two laps to go for it. You've just got all the magic ingredients for an absolute joke ending like that. And it it was a bit. I did feel sorry. For Carlos, you know, and then when the whole thing shook out, you know, but both the Pink Panthers take each other out, you know, the, the whole yeah. thing. Just should, none of that should have happened. Of course not.
2: Agreed. No, but yeah. I, I who thought it was a satisfying watch?
4: Oh. I did, but I I dragged myself mm-hmm. out of bed to watch it. I <laughs> did the cut the car the cut that. Cu- that opening lap was brilliant, and I, and ha- having was. um. Yeah. Having the first red flag was a bit of a nonsense. However, it was always going to make for a bit more of an interesting race. I think the second red flag again was a total nonsense, but again was going to have at least it was going to have an exciting end for you know because just to 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 be frank, getting up at five thirty in the morning and watching an inevitable result and just a parade is something I would have regretted being awake for. At least there was some element of stimulation there.
1: Can I say the last did anyone notice when um when Max did get some clean air, he pulled 2.1 seconds out. That was amazing fast on
2: the same just, lap. I know on the same, same lap.
1: lap. And I just remember I could just so, imagine Christiano you know, going, slow down, slow down, don't yeah, and I think don't
2: the, the, the Max's genius for the next five races will be not giving away too much. It'll be yeah. get far enough ahead but don't show them the full twelve inches Neil Neil
1: say something, please say something well
5: Meal. i 'm desperately worried that we and maybe I used that I were all turning into those wasn 't the past so much better than the current old far well, 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 if I watched that race and i 'd never watched Formula One before it 's much more enjoyable than yeah. My Formula One, and we're, it's a bit like Bond. Your Formula One is when you were t- a teenager, let's say. And my Formula yeah. One was mid-80s, which, okay, one could look at the, you know, the beautiful Senna and Prost, and, you know, then came Hill and Schumacher and Mansell, and but the races probably weren't as exciting. My analogy in my head, which is a bit weird, but hear me out, 1982, Top of the Pops seven o'clock you know we always watch that th- thursday top of the box yeah. it was the best bloody program on tv and on comes boy george and culture club yeah oh, and amazing. i'm thinking, this is just fucking fantastic this is my people i was 14 years old and my mum who was now my age if i think about it she was in her 50s what the hell is that shit music? You don't want You don't want what that you, you know, you don't want to listen to Tom Jones or Shirley Bassey. That's music. and then I'm thinking I was a bit young for punk and I was in a band, I had my Roland JX-3P keyboard. I loved listening to Howard Jones. I was a new romantic and that for me was music and fuck all the old people and I worry I'm desperately trying to stay current is really difficult when you're in your 50s. But this, my wife adores Formula One now. She hated me watching that stuff through the 90s and 2000s, didn't understand it. It wasn't inclusive. She didn't know the rules. She didn't know the people. And my son, obviously, is annoyingly a bloody red bull fan. he thinks it's brilliant, so I'm really struggling on my opinions here, but we well, your st- wife
1: would make a fantastic race director with all we've of that. got to
5: stay current if we can
4: i think neil i I totally agree with you and and I, I, do, I do obviously with liberty and drive to survive. You can see these uh, the Middle East events, which are massive shows they've got all their mates flying in from all over the world just to sort of show off you know america and vegas and miami you know going to be the epitome of the modern sport and you're not going for the racing you're going for the party um and they're just entertainment
5: now probably it probably isn't the sport you know when it was super niche and people died and it was more dangerous and no one really knew about it unless you were really into it that was probably when it was in our view cooler probably was cooler frankly but now it is a global entertainment. And it's bit. still a
3: sport. It is still a sport. I mean, Frank Williams famously said, it's a business apart from between two and four o'clock on a Sunday afternoon. And I think that is still true. <laughs> yeah. I mean, and we said it, Monkey, you've already said it. The drivers now are unbelievable. I mean, they, they can yeah. get into these cars in their early twenties because they've had so much professional development and training, they are, they're as good as they've ever been. The, the raw material is whatever the raw material is through the ages. Um, but how that raw material has been developed and what they're like, I think they're now better than they have to be better than yeah. they've ever been. And the sport is still—we're talking about it. It's still compelling. We love it. Oh yeah. We we, we we like we we want to watch the next race. Our favorite race is the next race. And that says we're still fans of the present. I think. But you yeah. Know, yeah. Yeah. I, I hope
5: so. I think we all yeah. have to try to, yeah. you know, stay current. Um, yeah.
2: What is the with, next my me, with my media hat? With my media hat that on, say about about five, no, say ten years ago. Uh, Manish will know this. There was a if you, if you sat in a any kind of broadcaster, um, pitching ideas or you're talking about what might be commissioned. So many people would say, "Could you just do Anthony Bourdain on cars?" They'd be like, "Do do Anthony Bourdain but with cars?" And I'd go, "I've heard that." Thirty times this week, and there's two reasons why I can't. Number one, I'm not Anthony Bourdain, and, I, and what he does, I don't think translates into cars. Yeah. For the last two months, as you might be aware, I've got some time on my hands now. So yeah, weddings, bar mitzvahs, give me a shout. Um, <laughs> but all I'm hearing is so. What you, we're sort of looking at sort of drive to survive angle, and I just go and off. Where's the off button? <laughs> I can't listen to this because I think they've done a great job with drive to survive, but it is what it is. Yeah. And I, I almost, I just don't think you could translate it into anything else, and also. I'm not sure I'd want to contaminate another sport with it at the moment. I think it's, um, th- there's an, I think I'd like to get Manage's thoughts on another podcast, maybe about what is the relationship between mm-hmm. Formula One and this television show, which appears to have resuscitated it. You know, it was like a sort of, it was an octopus that gave oxygen, and now it's got its, its, <laughs> its body clamped on F1's face and it's almost asphyxiating it. It's gone from savior to cancer almost for me. Mm-hmm. It's really interesting how quickly mm-hmm. these things can change. Um, mm-hmm. on that note, yeah. um, yeah. we've got coolest F no coolest racing drivers. Yeah. Okay, yeah. now this can be, um, phew, my this can be, um, just because a name sounds cool, uh, and it could be, um, it could be someone that you think's been a, an outstanding competitor and is not well known, or it could just be a chance to eulogize about your hero. Ed would love it. Well,
4: given Neil and his hats, I've dedicated my drivers to to the hat they've chosen to wear.
2: One driver, one don't 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 bend the rules. No, oh. one
4: type of hat Ooh, and two dru- drivers. Well, that's only because I started playing around with the hats. I've actually got about five, if you want to know them all. But some some of them are on two wheels, not four wheels. They get cooler they- on two wheels. Um, yeah. But there's a there's a famous uh, Ferrari driver called uh, Arturo Mazzario who uh, wears yes. a big cowboy hat.
5: Still around, he's cool as hell.
4: Exactly. Obviously, yeah. the cars he drives uh, and the way he looks, you know, he's mm. a he's a he's a cool dude. Yeah. He's a good cool he dude. A cool dude. And, and whilst whilst looking at him, and the reason I said two, but Richard Petty. You know, obviously we're talking about, um, you know, European drivers. I bet most yeah. of us are going to name. But, you know, Richard Petty, King of America, you know, that wearing a big cowboy hat as well. They
3: watched the same milliner, didn't
4: they? Say that again? They watched the same milliner, didn't they? <laughs> yes, they did. Anyway, I need to find one of those hats, Neil, with more sponsorship. and, and, and I, You need to be wearing a podcast with a cowboy
1: hat. Do you, get, do, you the Chris, do you think, Chris, in America, they... You do go. You do go. If you're looking for a Stetson, you're going to get your American Yellow Pages out. And look for Stetson Milliner, it's like, a milliner. <laughs> yeah. hats.
2: I had to interview the king, and he is the king uh, yeah. at Goodwood uh, about ten years ago. And he was, as I was interviewing him, he was called off to go and drive something totally inappropriate up the hill. And it was uh, one of those uh, Superbird things, you know, the crazy looking NASCAR, yeah. and. Um, and he was walking off, and he had, he had a sort of very old race suit that was tucked inside his cowboy boots. And I said, are you going to drive in those? And he went, son, there's only one thing I'd take those off for. <laughs>
3: <laughs> <laughs> okay, that wins. <laughs> <laughs> you yeah, I, do you know probably. what?
2: I hadn't, I hadn't considered him. I think, I think Edward might have nailed it there. Manish, you can you can, uh, man, I'm setting the time here for Manish now, because this could, this could go on for a while.
1: So you all think I'm going to say Senna. But the question was, who's the coolest driver? And I think Senna was cool in his own way. But for me, the coolest driver was Peter Collins by Miles. Mm, mm. He was just properly cool. Drove for Ferrari. Could have been world champion. Handed his car over to Fangio. He met and married a woman within a week. He met Louise King. In Miami. One week later, they were married. He boarded back to Maranello. They lived on a yacht in Monaco, which had basically 23 hour parties. It doesn't get cooler than him. And he was, he a was cool. awesome. Bernie actually just said about him um, the drivers were cool back then. It was a pity social media wasn't around. And then he said, and they were good-looking guys, because he's incredibly he's good, handsome. He's a good-looking guy, yeah. And he was an unbelievably quick racing driver. And I think people kind of slightly forget that and consistent. And he, um, I mean, I did write a script about Price. I ended up doing a lot of research about him. And um, what a lot of people don't know is when Dino Ferrari was dying, he was dying of um, kidney failure as a, as a consequence of his muscular dystrophy. That's right. And um, he lived in a little apartment above Marinello and Peter would go and see him every day, every evening and tell him about the latest movies because, of course, Dino couldn't get to the cinema. And after Dino died, Peter really did become a bit of a surrogate son for the old man, for, for Enzo. And he actually lived in that apartment for a while as well. I mean, it was very much the heart of Marinello. He should have won the Mille Miglia in 57. I mean, he could drive anything very very quickly and he didn't win it for mechanical reasons but he was the kind of guy who would go into Bologna go and find a perfect Pretoria just meet a woman sit and chat and the next thing you know they're making love and then he's got a race to run somewhere um I think if there's cool there's really cool and he was the coolest.
2: Superb sounds a bit like Edward Lovett in the mid 2000s
1: Then
2: I'm gonna go for Neil Clifford come on.
5: Okay, well you, for everyone listening, you can, you can guess. I'm going to list the things that this amazing guy has done. But I'll always start with the hair. I think you have to have fantastic hair. Now, if you lose your hair at 26, you spend the rest of your life having hair jealousy. And so this man has got wonderful hair. He also had fantastic sunglasses. This was a man that has survived the 60s, the 70s, the 80s, and actually even maybe into the 90s racing. This was a man who had the fabulous race suits with the Hoyer badges and the.
1: Oh, I know who this is now. I know who this is.
5: (laughs) The very infamous blood group, which one always needs one blood group on your race. Um, Best crush helmet. You know, Google. Le Mans 78 and the Porsche 936 and have a look at that crash helmet. It's the most fabulous crash helmet. He raced for Formula One in Tyrrell, Ferrari, Lotus, Survived Them All, which were all bloody death traps in those times. He won the Paris Dakar in a G-Wagon. He won the Paris ja- Dakar in a G-Wagon, a G280. He also did the Paris Dakar in a Lada. This is a man that's done the Paris Dakar in a 959. He grew up in Belgium, he is is from Belgium, which I'm sure everyone can now guess that. Therefore, he's the king of Spa. He raced everything and won everything at Spa. Spent his, I think he was 20 winning races in Lotus Cortina's around Spa in the wet. I mean, you can't get any cooler than that. Actually, if anyone's going to the members meeting at Goodwood, you should be there on the Sunday at midday, I think. There's the most incredible Lotus Cortina race, um, the Jim Clark trophy, which is all Lotus Cortinas. And there's Frank Kitty, Shaw, Chilton, Soper, Mass, Pirro, Nadell, Chandhook, Blundell, It's the most incredible race of Lotus Cortina, so please either watch it live or or go go to bloody members' meetings. Anyway, this guy's won Can-Am. He's won won Le Mans six times. There's not many people won Le Mans six times. And he was finally the manager of the Mazda win at Le Mans in 91. He was the guy that actually made and led that team to win Mazda. So, uh, Jackie Ix, he's the coolest dude has ever raced the cars raced everything still alive looks still cool and one mm-hmm. little story i chased the i chased the million no the milli milli yeah milli milli mm-hmm. from brescia to um, Padova one night i was midnight with my good mates we were waiting for the cars and these things travel in time so you've got to wait for the boring 20s cars and the boring 30s cars and 40s cars before all the cool shit arrived and we, there was not one car had made the journey and then we hear this rip roaring noise of this beautiful little Porsche 550 RS that had obviously overtaken all of the cars to get there first because he was knackered and wanted to get into his hotel room and out jumps Jackie icks in his late 70s in his race suit with the blood group lit a fag had a fag and pissed off to bed spoke to no one that's what i call a racing driver so
1: Jackie
3: <laughs> <laughs> His the hair is a really, I mean he is really, there was a photograph I saw recently of Jackie Ickx and Jackie Stewart, somewhere quite recently, I think we circulated it and hair. we said we hope they, they're they looking old, we don't want to look any older, and they, still were, they were, cool. Jackie, he was holding, he was covering the watch on Jackie Stewart's wrist, obviously being a big relics guy and he's a Chopard guy, and I thought about, he had amazing eyes, Jackie, x, very, very oh, come on, it's the
2: smile. It's the shape of the smile with what Jackie, the most distinctive shape of smile. Very, very,
3: the eyes yeah. and. Hair. I, I thought about eyes, and when you think about what makes a driver cool, and I've, again, I told my my boys about this. Do we mean the coolest person who was a racing driver, or do we mean racing drivers who are really cool? And it could be either of those. So, Francois Sever had the most amazing eyes and smile and he was clearly a cool guy and most handsome you know, man i mean just just impossibly it looked he looked like he's in a he, he looked like he should have been in the grand prix film he was extraordinary yep. and how how would his how would we remember him have changed if it hadn't been for watkins glenn in 73 it's, it's so sad when you think mm. about eyes you think Actually, I think there's a case to say Paul Newman is the coolest racing driver ever. Because he was really cool. He was cool-hand Luke. And he was quite a cool guy. There was quite a good interview with him on the TI website a few years ago. And he obviously had the most amazing eyes. Um, But we also... We think that there's a bit of naughtiness about the coolest drivers. So when you pull that thread, you know who you end up with? as the coolest racing driver? There's only one... Pablo Escobar.
2: Okay.
3: (laughs) He raced a 9.35. Yes, he he did. did. And Then you go, when you come back from that, you end up with Don and Bill Whittington. 1979 Le Mans winners with Klaus Ludwig in a 9.35. Um, Not long after that, they enjoyed hospitality at a Supermax somewhere in the US because they were big-time cocaine (laughs) smugglers. So I don't think they're my coolest drivers, but that's kind of where you end up. Um, I, I mean, I think it, it's Jackie. I mean, Stefan Beloff. Yeah, lovely. But I think Jackie, it's a great. That's a great eulogy, not you know, great celebration of who he is, and I think that's brilliant. Incredible man.
2: Yeah. I um I can't disagree with any of those. I'm I'm, I'm a huge Jackie Ickx obsessive to the point that. Um, I bought one of the shopards many years ago the second edition
3: that's the only watch um, i've ever bought
2: yeah, yeah. and i had um, i didn't have much money in the pot but i spent all of it on a jackie x um <laughs> and i uh, i tr- absolutely treasure it and i took it to the launch of the mark 7 golf gti i took the box the instruction thing because they told me jackie'd be there and he, he does a very if you've got his signature it's very distinctive it has like a big smile in it and he signed it for me and everything he's also a philosopher prince he, um, he was obviously profoundly affected by Africa and, um, mm-hmm. and his experience racing there. And he married an Af- African wife. And he's, you get him talking about it, and you just think, you should be running the UN, mate. You're you're yeah. one of those people that could fix anything. So he's on my list. Chris um, Cooper's got to be wait, yours, wait. hasn't it, Chris? It could well be, actually. Chris Cooper wearing his tighty-whities in uh, around no. 2008 Not was awful. a bit too much for me. Chris, so, but, uh, Chris
1: before <laughs> you tell us your final one, just just a quick story. We used to run a charity event every year or so at the hexagon dealership where we'd invite people there was a theme and uh sometimes yeah. sometimes it wouldn't jackie came he, we did le mans and jackie came derek bell was there uh we also had mark uh blundell there you know showed his wonderful lap um but when jackie arrived this room which was humming because we used to get everyone as drunk as possible before the auction and it's all for great ormond street and the children's unit at the Brompton so you know I'd be there sort of putting chairs out and things that's kind of event it was but we always did it very well anyway he came you walked in absolute pin drop silence and um he spoke when he spoke you know people were just leaning forwards Mm -hmm. listening to this man somebody asked him a really random question they just sort of said so uh I'm a massive fan of 80s motor racing. And um, they talked to him about Senna a bit. And you remember Jackie's the guy who red flagged the Monaco event. And that's yes. why Senna came apparently saying. But they didn't ask him. They said, you know, you did that. He said, what did you think about that Senna Prost accident? The really fast one that happened in 1990. And he just coolly turned around and said, are you a racing driver? And this guy went, no, he's just a rich Ferrari owner. And he said, um, Unless you're in one of those two cars, it's really not your position to judge. <laughs> <laughs> this guy just sat down. I'm the
3: user. Time yeah, so really it was that.
1: unbelievable. And then just before he left, okay, um, you know, we, we actually did quite well. We raised quite a chunk of money. Classic Jackie. Just before we leave, we find an envelope.
0: Ready to pop the question?
1: I can't tell you how much he donated, but let's just say he left silently donating what was about a fifth of what we raised that night in one check. Wow. I, that is who this guy That's is. Amazing. man.
2: He's um, yeah, he, he's he's absolutely the one. He, he, OK, he's on my list. I mean, I've got a very long list here. And I, I noticed I didn't write this initially. It was racing driver, not rally driver. Uh, Rallying is more my thing. So I can't list my rally drivers. So I've lost a load there. Um, I've got by cool. Chris Cooper's right here. What's the definition of cool? Cool. You could argue by definition means they didn't achieve that much because cool people are the ones that they operate on the fringes. They get things wrong. They're flawed. And I think quite often it's flaws that we look to in sports people to make them more magnetic. So by definition, they need to be a bit of a failure. Uh, And I, but I don't, so my heroes, I don't like to be that much of a failure. So I found that quite difficult, and I went around the houses about this, and I couldn't quite work out where I was going to get. Because actually, if I wrote down what a cool racing driver was, I came back with the word Nigel, and um, and I don't think that the audience would lo- would allow me to say that Nigel Mansell was the coolest racing driver. But there's something about a man who can have a photograph taken with his new company car that's an F40 with a tash and a tweed cap that makes me think inversely he's the coolest man ever born. The, the size of the berries you'd need to have to allow that photograph to be released must make you the coolest man on the planet. But it can't be Nigel. And it can't be Emo, despite the fact that he had the best sideburns ever and is, by all accounts, not met him, the most lovely, lovely, positive man with, with the surname Fittipaldi. So I'm going to come <laughs> back to, to, to my definition of a cool racing driver. And that is that if you see a photograph of someone in – and it has to be a still for me, not a video – in a in auto sport or motorsport, and you just see this image of an individual leaning against a car, and you go, fuck Me, I want to be you. I just want to be you. Mm. That's mm. what a cool racing driver is. And there's a picture of Henry Pescarolo leaning against a Matra, he's Lamont-car, a guy yeah. with a beard on. Uh, it's everything for me. He just I don't care whether he won the race, I don't care whether people liked him or not, but Pescarolo leaning against a Matra, that's it for me.
5: He's cool. Mr.
3: Lamont. It just looked effortless. It just looked effortless, didn't it?
2: Yeah. Um, so we're now going to move on to. And that's why I love the way that these things segue so naturally into what's your favourite steering wheel? <laughs> <laughs> Jesus Christ! Oh God! You know when you do that's technical right, those you know, little union things that you use. I want some of those for this podcast. Yeah. I, I can't. Find a way.
4: Is it what's your favourite steering wheel, or what's the best steering wheel?
2: Oh, for God's sake! Oh, it, a well, it, it matters. Okay. It, oh, matters. it matters. If he was it the best, he be, would Would
4: you want to be driving a AC Cobra with a, a nineteen sixty six AC?
2: Um, you know, have we with, seen twenty. Well, with a massive AC steering AC wheel. Cobra. Right, stop for a minute, Mister Lovett. You're going first here, but for the rest of this podcast, we're going to call you Ed because we like lo- who know you like <laughs> it so much. Come on. On,
4: name down here fuck off <laughs> i've got about six steering wheels again Is that oh, right? no. Go on. well first of all i've said surely a wrc steering wheel has to be the best steering wheel because the way they need to use it uh means it needs to be a pretty solid piece of uh... mm,
3: steering yeah. yeah
4: yeah so anyway but i'm not going to go with one of those um Alcantara steering wheels on a brand new car. They're they are lovely things. I think, Chris, hmm. in the first ever podcast, I can't remember what car you had at the time, but I think it might have been a 63s or something like that with an Alcantara steering wheel. But and you used the word mung in it. And if you buy a used yeah. uh, our, uh, <laughs> um, Alcantara steering wheel, it's not, re- not the it. most pleasant thing to have. But uh, I remember 996 gt3 rs steering wheel mm. brand new alcantara that's mm. that's my that's my choice
2: that's a cracking choice because it's got a thin rim and not too much padding maybe there's gonna be some language yeah. that could offend people yeah. over the next few minutes but it's got to be a thin rim yes and after yeah. this, can we talk
4: about what what time the uh, when when a bmw m3 steering wheel just got too fat
2: well, we could talk about that with the e46 yeah. m3 no clifford tell us about your girth
5: <sighs> it's quite thin but very elegant and there's no buttons i think anything you, you any steering wheel with a button needs to be thrown in the bin so no buttons big enough that um because i'm not a driver as we know i'm a useless bloody driver but you if need to see we'll to you need to see That's all not the not bloody great. dials so it's it's a, it's as much about the visibility of the dash than it is the steering wheel on its own um lovely soft leather i'm not an alcantara guy i think you're right ed it, it, if it's new it's fine but secondhand you know there's going to be bogeys behind there. It's going, to be, it's going to be just a tricky thing. You've got to replace it immediately. So I'm not Alcantara. Um, my favorite steering wheel is the F40 steering wheel. Ooh. It's,
1: it's Ooh. the king of
5: steering wheels. Beautiful steering wheel. It's got, it's, got you know, badge. Yeah. it's got the It's got the, just the horn. You can see it. You can see everything. The positioning on the seat is lovely. You can see all those dials. The F40 steering wheel is the best steering wheel.
2: Oh, God, we've peaked too early here. I got, I'm well, you say to... that. Oh, God, here we go. Cooper's chiming in. Wait there, wait there, wait there, and go.
3: What makes a good steering wheel? It's got to look good, it's got to feel good, and it's got to steer good. To steer mm. good, no discussion about this, the sort of the, the spoky bits, they've got to be horizontal. They can't be like that. They've got to be like that. And I think there are two. In my life. Um, Renault 5 GT Turbo. Oh, I lost that idea. car. It's a great car. The spokes were like that. Little divots there. But the, the epitome of that straight spoke steering wheel. Nine, late 1980s Momo F1 steering wheel. Flat spokes. Perfectly positioned. Because you know to drive, you've got to hold the wheel right there. If the spokes are like that, you can't do it. Rest of the spokes. Momo I look, there's loads of pictures you can see. on. Everyone can look. Google late nineties, late eighties, McLaren F1. Momo's doing well. That's the one. Perfect. Can't argue really with, stuff,
2: that.
1: No. Can't with that. Uh, Manish. I found two, and um, they are actually in some ways quite similar. The Ferrari two four six Dino steering wheel, thin mm. rim of leather, basically just flat yeah. aluminium, few holes. The word Dino Little in the holes. middle. Yeah. yeah that that was it but the thing that i mean, it's got those six little bolts that you do with you know with a, the with a lovely hexagonal allen key just beautifully around the word dino and actually it's kind of wooden analog the e-type jaguar that you know the wooden steering wheel that that one had. They had the multiple holes with jaguar in the middle and i just think those two are the most beautiful things
5: Drilled ones, that's right, that's right. It's wooden, the wooden one.
1: Yeah, such a pretty, pretty... I'm having dinner with a friend tonight. Did did Nadi make that? Was it Nadi steering wheel? I don't know. (sighs)
0: know.
1: But look, I'm having dinner with a friend tonight who is an unbelievable consultant radiologist. Um, He does cardiothoracic radiology. He used to run the Hammersmith Hospital, Mary's, and Charing Cross. And he's an unbelievably good driver, Chris and Chris, and Edward. And... um, he built. When you're a registrar, you sit these massive exams, which just take up all of your time, and it just everyone's terrified. You don't sleep. He did his jobs. He was doing his registrar exams, and he built an E-type Jaguar. Or he rebuilt an E-type Jaguar. He didn't. He didn't do the body. It was the only bits that he didn't do. It ended up on the front of classic car because he doesn't do anything badly. And he sold it a while ago, but he kept the steering wheel. And it's in his ah, garage, and I love touching it. I love touching it.
2: Chris, I
5: think have,
4: you, have
2: bit... you got wood? I've got... Um, I haven't got any wood here. That's a good question, Evan. A, a, a neat little segue with a cheeky little bit of humour in there as well, Evan. I like that. Your hosting skills are really improving. Yeah. Now then, um, I, haven't, I haven't actually got anything there. However, um, I've got about nine to go through. So first of all... Uh, the the prototipo the moment prototipo is is it's like the benchmark mill, wheel for me in a Porsche yeah. it works um, and yeah. now they've got decent dishes in them I think that that's got to be up there for me uh, we at this point need to Google the Maserati boomerang wheel I've got it here
1: I've got never- it yeah, I've got a here I looked at it it it's a joke <laughs> it is it's an actual it? joke.
2: It's just so magnificent that I, th- I love the idea of the wheel as theatre, which is why I love some of those single-spoke citrons. Our CX GTI is just bonkers. When you look at it, you think, if you had a light impact, the whole wheel would do, you just go forward into the dashboard. So I love all that stuff. Um, but I, I think, uh, and I, I also think that there has to be something said for uh, the latest wheel that Richard Tuttle's done. He's a mate of mine. It's not, a, it's not an advertisement plug, but go and look at the dished wheel he's just done for, uh, for his cars. Edward's got one on, on his, his green car, and that is a sensational steering wheel. I'm very disappointed you didn't mention that, Edward, given that you have daily contact with such a piece of art. Um, maybe, uh, maybe you're hunting for a discount on the next vehicle. Um, so, but there's a wheel that actually I've shared with a man in this room that I think was pretty much perfection. Uh, it was made by OMP and it was a 997 Porsche Cup car. Um, and it confirms everything that all of you said. It confirms that Alcantara should only be used when it's new. Otherwise, yeah. it's full of other people's DNA and is a bit grim. <laughs> but you should never have buttons on a steering wheel. So one season, I think from 07 to 08, as the Cup cars got faster at the Nürburgring we were racing, two buttons appeared on the steering wheel of our racing car. And I thought... God, we're fucking here. I've got buttons. i no. steering wheel. everyone wants buttons. One of the buttons said radio, and one of the buttons said drink. And I came into the pits after my first three laps in the car, and I flew into the pits. No, sorry, no. One of them said one of them said pit limiter. One of them said drink. That was it. I came into. I flew straight past the pit limiter, having a drink, and I realised that I really shouldn't have any control over buttons on a steering wheel because I couldn't coordinate either of them. <laughs> nor the radio. But I associate steering wheel is, is the most emotional part of a motor car for a driver. It's your main point of contact that you see. Yeah. And I have so many memories of looking at that wheel, my hands on it, and what mm-hmm. the car was doing, that if, if we could, that car's for sale at the moment, and I just is. want the wheel from it. I just want the yeah. wheel from it.
5: Yeah, I because think if I a car's thought, got the wrong wheel, you want to get rid of it. A 964 Turbo 3.6 has got a shit steering wheel. Yeah. Or yeah. a nine even a nine two eight, frankly. Brilliant car. Oh, come on. Uh, that wheel's great. No. That's is good. Nine to eight's good. Actually, that I have
3: forgotten quite how emotional I was about the wheel in that car. That's absolutely right. Because it's it's the thing it's the thing that gives you confidence. Yeah. And I that think I just,
5: that when it moves with the whole binnacle. That's yeah. amazing in a nine to eight. But the actual yeah. steering yeah. wheel I don't rate in a nine to eight.
2: Right, lads, we're gonna to have to so we're gonna move on now to, to your favorite car advert, okay? Favorite car advert. Yeah, gonna go Chris Cooper.
3: Yeah. So I got two. Um the nineteen eighty six Renault twenty-five advert. <laughs> it is if you were playing Thatcher's Boom Time Britain Bingo, no one's ever said that out loud before, then this is the advert we're in it. It was um David and Joanne. They had a lovely leafy country house. Their young son who was learning a musical instrument who went to a lovely, presumably public, fee-paying school. He was clearly a professional gentleman of some repute. And they're driving home from the school one day. uh, And he says to her in this sort of 1980s kind of voice, it's time for a change. Jim's with me. Hugo's with me. Jasper's with me and we've got the backing.
1: That's the line. And, That's a killer line. And,
3: and, and, <laughs> and Joanne says, oh, David, oh, David. It's sort of so wonderful. And they get to the, the crunchy gravel bit when they get to the end. And he said, actually, it makes you think, I quite like the Renault 25. It looks, it looks actually quite nice. V6 engine quite nice. And he sort of shuts the door and he says, but there'll have to be some changes. But oh, the mirror car, falls off. Company car is gonna to have to go. And she says to him in this sort of in this this beguiling sort of way you would just couldn't remotely get away with it. Oh I, don't be so hasty, David. And you think like, it's a fucking Renault twenty five. It's just Google it. Renault twenty five it's just it's just Chris, Chris, well, I you Chris, get Chris, now. Chris. I want
2: to watch it now. And of course the great irony is the great irony is that the, the one car they wouldn't have bought as a family would be a Renault 25. I mean, just Sorry.
1: Hey, Chris, I wanted to say was that was Rosalind Landor who played yes. Joanne, who's unbelievably yes. good looking. And yes. uh, she sounds like this. So aren't you being yes. a bit hasty about the car? That's the one. Oh That's the one. We've, we've <laughs> both been
3: watching the same kind of stuff on the internet, but we'll leave that conversation there. The other big Renault 25 fan,
5: yeah. the 30. That was quite a yeah. special thing. But the 20.
1: But this,
2: hour... What's killing me now is I, I want to go and watch these immediately. I don't want to carry on talking shit with you lot. Yeah. I want to go watch these. <laughs> <because> <laughs> it's the, best website, the,
1: the, the best the, website to watch adverts on is called hatads.org. It's got all the adverts that you'll ever see. And we're ever. Going, to put
2: the, you're going to put the URL up for you now. Yeah. So you can go and watch. And that is a URL for ads, nothing else. Nothing. Um, now then, Neil, uh, what are you going to go for ad work wise?
5: I've failed again because I'm going Japanese.
0: Oh, yeah!
5: <laughs> <laughs> Fucking Japanese. I can't get rid of them. Um, no, I, I, you know, it's the Honda Accord.
4: Oh, I've got that.
2: Um, yeah.
5: You've yes. gone for COG. You can't have gone for COG. COG. Oh,
2: fuck <laughs> off, Neil.
1: Do it again. All three of you.
5: Oh. <laughs> there's, been, there's been numerous... Great Honda ads, actually. You can, there's, yes. a, there's plenty of them, actually. But the Cogs, which was, they used all of the bits of a Honda Accord. It's two minutes long with it's, this amazing, yeah. you yeah. know, a piece of magic with every single pit of the car is uh, disconnected. And then it's... Sort of, we'll,
2: we'll play it in its entirety it now. It's, it's beautiful. There's, it. there's,
5: there's no words. uh Immensely clever. Two it's minutes. Brilliant. It's brilliant. Yeah. yeah, it's brilliant. Yeah, yeah.
2: I um, uh, can't argue with that, Neil. Uh, Edward, have you got a backup? No, so I, that you I look I like have got concert? a backup,
4: only because I, I think we're all probably... It's hard to remember these ones, so you get, we, we were probably all delving deep into YouTube to find something. But there's a modern Fiat 500S advert where the guy's throwing his handbag on... in they're doing the sort of yeah. testing in the thing, and he throws the handbag
5: yeah, on and slams that. the door,
4: yeah. and kicks, kicks the front. They're like, what on earth is he doing? And then they cut to see his girlfriend, uh, his girlfriend slamming the door, and this old woman on a cross
2: throwing a handbag mm-hmm. on the bonnet.
3: Yeah,
2: it's quite. We fun, don't condone yeah. any of this. No, no, it is quite. No. Funny. Those sort of stereotypes don't exist on the Collecting Addicts podcast. I, I did no.
4: what, what the first one I actually googled to go and see if any of them were any good because I've got the memory of them. Is the old Nicole Papa? Um, oh, we awesome <laughs> But 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 to be honest, you—they are all crap. <laughs> they were good that then. Was
1: Did you, you know. ever see the um, send-up of the Nicola and Papa advert? I think it was Mel Smith. He, exactly, yes. he's driving he's curb crawling, and his daughter's a prostitute. It's really good. Nicole. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> the, um, <laughs> the Not the nine o'clock second. news. Yeah, one
5: second, hold on. Come in, but
2: I'm just I'm just finishing this. Sorry, my, my better half just turned up. Yeah. Um, I've, got to be out, I've got to be out of here in 20 minutes because so the, the cleaner's coming. I don't know how much we've gone on. Right. I'm surprised we,
5: we haven't done the golf, the golf Mark too. Oh, no, I so say, I'm coming in now. I've got, okay, We've so got, got to go go hear it.
2: The golf, the, golf, the golf, I'm not sure about. In fact, I want to go, I want to hear Manish first and I can work out what I'm going to say. What's Manish going to do? Come on, I want to know. I'm not
1: okay, gonna go really, I, both Nicole Papa and the Renault 25 Trilogy were on my list, but I think the best car ad At at the time, it was just unbelievable. 1985, it was directed by Tony Scott, and it was the Saab advert. It it was just unbelievable. Fighter pilot walks into a hangar that says Saab. Broken raincoat walks in. You see a Saab Viggen up front. You see, I think it was a Saab 900, wasn't it, from the front? And then basically it ends with the two of them coming at you. The Saab Viggen actually flies over the Saab car, and the the, oh, the tagline so perfect. It's just Saab. Nothing on earth comes close. Yeah.
5: We, all wanted, we all wanted a Saab after that. <laughs>
1: we, yeah, it, Vigan.
5: yeah, we yeah wanted I wanted a
3: vegan,
2: good. not a ninety nine. Yeah. <laughs> um, okay, so uh, does this affect some of my choices? It's always difficult going to last because you. We all think so alike that you end up with the same content. Mm. Um, I think there's 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 two. For me, there's a Ford Escort advert from the 80s, which I, adverts, to use Neil Clifford's reference, are a bit like James Bond. You know, when you're at that period in your life, when you sit and watch far too much television because your mum and dad are out or whatever they're doing, you've got the babysitter that in. That's what you do. And I just remember that one where it was Ford's advertising agency could just nail British society. And you start yeah. off with yeah. a proud father of two getting into his Escort. And then there's a bloke, some boy racer. It's actually an RS Turbo in a forest. Why he's in a road spec car in a forest? I don't know. Then there's a policeman polishing his escort, which is a police car. And then brilliantly to tug at the heartstrings, the local GP gets in and puts his, he puts his bag on the passenger seat. And then he he pushes the cassette in and it plays um, Lovely Day, you know, which is just one of the great tunes. And I just, that that is, that's what advertising is about. Tugging at the heartstrings of the population. That's peak advertising, but I think we have to mention, don't we? BBH's Golf GTI advert um, with the woman that walks out Paul of Hammond. the house and throws the.
1: That, who, I think. Who, who was it, Chris? Who was the lady? Who was? Paul a... Oh, that was it. It was Paul Hamilton.
2: I, I can't think of a smarter piece of advertising that 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 can exist as a metaphor for the time in which it was produced. It just, for me, if you said to me what what were the mid to late 1980s. Yeah. Even if you didn't like cars, I'd give you that advert yeah. as a, as as what that time was about. A winner. That's what great advertising does. So I I'd go yeah. for the for the gold today's one. Winner. Yeah. Very uh, good. now then. Ah, uh, today's two car garage. <laughs> I've got to read these have become so long, I've got to read it out. <laughs> Here we go. Oh no, it's not that long. It bloody is, and you wrote it, Neil. For a man of few words, you're remarkably verbose with your fingers. <laughs> okay. Here we go. That's not a Nicola Sturgeon gag. Here we go. So today's two-car today's oh. garage. There's a £50,000 budget. You're a senior manager in a digital marketing agency moving out from Islington with your wife and young child. That's important. Yeah. So, I know this is important, with Neil, because he's a cheeky fucker. I know that. It didn't say children. It said child. Um, uh, for schools and garden and a double garage and can now finally admit to a love of internal combustion engine cars. So before it's too late to enjoy them, they need to find they need a family car for station drop off school runs, M&S weekend food shopping and a two-seat <laughs> sports cabriolet for pure driving enjoyment. Wait for this bit in the Chilterns.
5: Yes. Okay. <laughs> Neil, this is your challenge. You're going first. Right, it's all about the engines. This guy has spent his whole of his yeah. career since leaving, I don't know, Exeter University or something to Um, he's been on the bloody tube, he's been on the bus, he's been riding down the Holloway Road, fucking getting almost killed by buses. He's desperate to admit to loving cars before it's too late. And he wants a V8 and he wants a V12, he wants a V12. So how do you get a V8 and a V12 for 50 grand? Well, the first thing you do is you go and buy a Maserati Quattroporte series one the pretty one the pinaferina one the 4.2 the shitty gearbox no one really cares handsome as fuck car beautiful thing practical shopping f- there's a boot 15 grand you get a great one for 15 wow. grand actually like, yeah. there's loads of there's for 10 or 12 grand actually it's a one-owner green car an auto car for 15 grand i'm tempted to bloody email the bloke it is fantastic and then he's got 35 grand and he needs to get a V twelve. What do you get with a cabriolet V twelve for thirty five grand? You're all shaking your head. Don't no, do it. No. No. Don't do it yourself. Yeah, yeah. Don't do it. Yeah, it's a DB nine. It's a fucking. <laughs> <laughs> I Neil actually I says enjoy driving. No, 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 no. no. <laughs> He enjoys <laughs> the sound of an engine. He's like me. He doesn't really know what driving is. He can't tell That's the difference between a yeah. car, shit car. He just wants an amazing V12 That's right. engine. Yeah, so it's right not yourself of out. Of yeah. the yeah. back for the child. Yeah,
2: I've got two observations here. I got two observations. One, Neil Clifford. It seems to me that you saw a classified advert for a good value Maserati Quattroporte and then built. This scenario around the fact that you've seen <laughs> no, no, no. I
5: started with V8 and V12 because yeah. he knows 2030s round the corner is going to be too embarrassing for him to have fabulous cars in a few years' time. So he's got to tick both boxes.
2: I also know a man in this group that had a DB9 Volante. Uh, and I can tell you now that I asked him the following <laughs> question "The Racing so many words i said is it shitter than you thought it was going to be and he replied much
3: <laughs> and the good news is the good news is on that car I found somebody to bid me the most extraordinary used car price for it and that person's also in this podcast Oh, so lovely
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah
3: you did yeah you did did you I buy are- it <laughs>
1: Yeah, you did.
4: Have I still got <laughs> it? No. <Yeah. laughs> yeah. yeah. is, is that around the back with the B5 Alpina? <laughs> yeah. Yeah.
5: No, but it's when Astons were pretty. It's when James were,
2: Bond, they were, they were. before so, they We've only got through one of these. Edward Lovett, go next.
4: Right, well, you're all wrong. Well, you're not, not many of you started yet. Chris, I know you've already probably, you're still using your 330 DX... Um, uh, a car yeah, yeah. from um anyway,
3: in France, yeah.
4: we're talking about a guy from digital marketing here so you know obviously he's very afraid with uh his his online world so and he's a busy guy and obviously he's moving so you know it's a, there's a lot of work moving house something i don't recommend doing so he's obviously gone on to chat gpt and just said look i've got 50 grand i've got one child <laughs> And can you choose two cars for me, please? And one of them just needs a convertible. So I've been on to chat GP and I've asked, <laughs> it. and I've bought a Skoda Octavia estate car and, and an MX5. <laughs> well,
3: you've still got a job. AI, AI, eat your hands. Anyway,
4: i've I realized after i've moved in and i have bought these two cars which chat gpt told me i had to go and buy for my 50 grand i've gone and part exchanged them both and i've bought a defender and a z1 no,
5: yes no.
4: like that
2: like no, that it's 75 grand no, but never
5: mind
4: <laughs>
1: <laughs> i think you can, No, you, you probably fail. can't
2: do that you might be able to Manish, what are you going to go for
1: I thought he might be a little bit of a closet design person. You know, he had a bit of an aesthetic. So um, I, and I also thought he would, there was a, with with Neil, there's always a hint in the question, isn't there? And it was his love for the ICE. So I split his love for the ICE into love for design. Don't worry about the ICE. Love for the ICE. So I had a quick look and I could see some rather wonderful Jaguar XJS cabriolets
2: B12 Ooh.
1: for about 25. Did you just use
2: the word? Did you use the word XJS Cabriolet and wonderful in the same sentence?
1: Yes, I did. They I'm were really yeah. beautiful. I'm sure they only yeah, go. Only. with you. Yeah. I think it's a beautiful looking car. I really do. It's a great it's car. Loose. You know, I I always wanted to be the saint, the second one Ian Ogilvy, and I think it's just it's a the convertible version of that. You yeah, know, it'll be beautiful. You can stick your son straight daughter in the back, and it's a little cramped. Huge, great bonnet, you know, for £25,000. Actually, weirdly, I thought 25000 would just about buy you the 3.6, but no, it'll buy you some reasonably V12. nice no. V12. So I've no idea what percentage of its time it's going to spend in the garage. I don't know what this thing will be like on a very twisty country road, but it looks beautiful. And then the other thing, I actually thought a Citroen CX Palace.
5: Oh.
1: And I found one in Sweden. Oh. And it's absolutely mint, and it was twenty five thousand pounds. And the guy said he would direct you if you were seriously interested in relatively cheap flights to Stockholm, and then from he'd pick you up in Stockholm to show you the car if you were serious. And the interior, I just forgot; it just looks like an eighties room, yeah. Yeah, doesn't
5: it? it yeah.
1: Everything's just, just pl- even the roof is just a big
2: furry rug. So cool. Cool. We could drop. We could drop. We could buy that, and we could all drive it back. At this point, we should mention that Clipton cars is big in Sweden, and that car should be on our site, Edward. So can we make it sure it gets there? Probably
1: is.
4: He probably found it on there.
1: No, I really I say <laughs> I didn't. It was I really didn't. But um, no, they, they'd be the two car I could just see those in the garage. They'd just look great. That's good
2: Chris, Chris Cooper. Now you oh. now now we've revealed to the to the world that you did buy a DP9 Volante <laughs> with your own I'm not sure we can listen to anything that you say seriously again.
1: You <laughs> well, flipped on. it. So.
3: Yeah, so uh, Neil's right. You need a V8, and you need another V8. So, uh, and you know I love TVRs So T V R Chimera. Oh, God. 18 grand. <laughs> it, it's nice to drive. It's got a V8. Uh, I'm not quite as close to the Chilterns as, as Neil is, but I know what they look like, and it is possible. Uh, that's about 18 grand. And for about 32 grand, you could get a 2016 C63 wagon.
5: Yeah. what's
3: not
1: yeah, to
5: like
1: not as cool as the
3: CX I have to say I, I mean, I'd mean, probably go for the CX
2: I wouldn't want to use the CX regularly but I think it's a lovely car I think that's a yeah. good twosome but we need to get you some therapy or, or or some sort of ointment for this TVR thing you've got going on yeah out. whatever all I can this hear is, is a groaning, groaning noise it's right the same as a scrotal rash isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> is it is it a whining noise it's one of those two I don't know what it is there it is again I, I've, got, um, I've gone at it a slightly different way because I think, I think Neil has, Neil was talking earlier about trying to remain relevant and be in touch age 50. And, of course, there's a lovely, a lovely thing he's posed here. But I think the reality of having young kids, I've still got one left and Edward's got a couple, is that you, whatever car you buy that you think is going to be the thing you go to the station and back in is what you'll use the whole time. The toy car you've got for the weekend, you will never use. It's fanciful. So I've gone the other way around. I'm going, to, I'm going to spend a small amount of money on a really cheap Series 2 Lotus Elise in, in the fanciful, fanciful dream world that I might ever get to drive it because I'm always going to be going on a Saturday to drop the kids to play football or to fight with their children, on a, other mates on a Sunday. and Whatever I'm doing, I've got people with me. So basically that thing is never going to get used. But when I'm having a dinner party or being middle class, I can tell people, but I've got a Lotus, so I'll look interesting and and engage in the subject. But ultimately, it's just a static object. What I am going to buy is not far away from Chris Cooper's car. Um, I'm going to admit to liking a small SUV. Um, I think the GLC 63 AMG, the proper one, looks mega. And if you've driven one, it's a really surprising car to drive. They go like something off a shovel. They're four-wheel drive, unlike the one Chris is talking about because they end up in ditches quite a lot. And I think GLC 63 AMG with all the toys on it, done a few miles, would be a fantastic car. And I don't think you'd end up driving the Elise much. Good if noise. You were, if you were a consultant of, of of the type that you said, so it's a little bit a little bit different. But I think we've we've reached similar answers, wouldn't you say? Well, in Buckinghamshire, if you turned
3: up in that, they think you were. Pharmaceutical distributor some sort.
2: Well, I mean, look, myself and managed to struggling with that one anyway, are not we, mate? So, whatever happens, yeah, we're either
1: we're a, we're working
2: the tandoor or selling the powder, aren't we? According to He's you. With it. Yeah, go with it. So here we go. So I'm going to say it's time for some music after this marathon cast. This marathon cast. Uh, Manage.
1: Start off with something civilized, please. Last week, Richie Sakamoto died on tuesday i absolutely Ooh. loved yes he died of cancer oh. he was 71 and uh an amazing musician in his own right classically trained absolutely beautiful on the piano he sang oh uh, he 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 composed with david sylvian in japan but he also yeah. had the yellow magic Orchestra. i mean you name it nussendor he's, he's he's worked with everybody so he died and the song that i remember him for the piece of music i remember him for was is M- Merry Christmas, Mr. Lawrence. I was just and gonna I say absolutely, that. The Perfect. most beautiful piece of music. Yeah. And wonderful. it was re recorded as Forbidden Colours with David Serving, but Merry Christmas, Mr. Lawrence. I will be listening to that in my car.
5: Beautiful. It's lovely song.
1: Music. I think
2: that's um, uh, I'm just writing these down. I always write down managers because I can't get enough of them. Yeah, uh, that's- uh, Neil, I love that one. Neil, what's next?
5: I spent 1997, I think, to about 2012 living in Muswell Hill in North London, and the coolest house in the whole of Muswell Hill was called Fairport, and I had no idea why this about this house until I discovered a song relatively recently. I think it was on um, Desert Island Discs or something by the Fairport Convention, and this was a band that were... That started in the late 60s in this house in Muswell Hill in the garage. And there is one song which I promise you, if you listen to and you don't get emotional and wistful and your heart rate changes a bit, you need to go to the doctor because you're probably dead. <laughs> this, this is called um, Who Knows Where the Time Goes? And it's the most beautiful song straight into my Desert Island discs. Wow. It's incredible. Well, Have a listen, yeah,
2: yeah. right, and that's going straight into my playlist for later on. Edward, yeah. love it with that is uh, that's Saki, isn't it? Saki, yeah, this one. There you go. Um, yeah, Overnight by Parcels, There we go. That's a good tune. Very oh. good tune. Yeah, that's a very good tune. Uh, Chris Cooper.
3: I've got one more advert for you. Uh, if you Google, <laughs> what it's, a, it's a Toyota, it's a Toyota Australia advert for the new, more powerful Hilux. If you it's just great. Google Toyota Australia, Bagger, <laughs>
1: Yeah,
3: it's really good. So the song, I, I'm, it's a cliche, but, you know, Billy McCluskey here in Palm Springs for NBC Sports, yellow the race. Yeah.
2: you got yet. to be on open road for that, because otherwise you just go like you're on the way to a race. But oh. I love it. I I I'm a huge yellow fan you couldn't listen to it when I was at school because you were considered too uncool but now no one cares and you can enjoy it for what it is it's fantastic yeah. stuff yeah um so I'm not going I'm not pretending to be Manish here but um uh, one of the things I'd love listening to in the car with my children is um is great film scores uh, I just think that, I just, that we're magnetised by them We just think they're great fun and we all we all hum along uh, and uh, John Williams is obviously uh, the main man when it comes to a film score for me if you go onto youtube uh he conducted the vienna sorry the vienna philharmonic a couple of uh a couple of years ago and all of these things are on youtube and they're well worth watching but there's when he does the theme tune to star wars um there's a lovely moment in it first of all the sound is so good it's you can't believe it's being played live you're thinking these people are so good this sounds like the film i could be watching the film But there's a moment where clearly someone, I think it's a French horn. I can't remember. There's a guy playing a French horn. He's clearly the greatest French hornist in the world. (laughs) He's the the shit at this. And he's played everything from Beethoven, Mozart. He's played every great piece of music. And he looks up to his mates and he gives this, how cool is it that we're playing Star Wars (laughs) in this amazing opera house? (laughs) And the look is so gorgeous. You have to watch it. So it's, it's John Williams. You Google John Williams, Vienna Philharmonic, uh, Star Wars, and you'll see this guy. He just he gives it this. Oh, this is the this is the shit. I'm
5: going to watch I it.
2: Think something, and then and then you go down the wormhole of of Jurassic Park, and you, and you listen to them flat out. And listen to them in the car. It's great. It is great driving music. All mm-hmm. of it. Mm-hmm. Um, that was a mm-hmm. marathon. Uh, I'd like to say a big thank you to my co-conspirators Manish Pandey, Edward Lovett and Saki Neil Clifford, and Chris Cooper for contributing yet again. And uh, the way things are. We might be back for a 13th, but Lord knows what might happen between now and then. (laughs) Stay well, stay safe, and it should be time to get some uh, cobwebs and mouse shit out of your old cars now. So go out there and go and see how many wiring looms have been eaten over the winter. Goodbye.